Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello Church. God bless you today. Whether you're watching online or at a physical venue, God is with us and we are together. We're so pleased that so many people are doing so well coming out of lockdown. We're praying for those who are doing well and those who are struggling. But together we are stronger. The family of God together we can get through this. Amen. Today I want to start a series, a longer series called DNA, and it's made up of four mini series within it. The big idea is that our DNA as Christians, well, first of all, as people, our DNA makes us who we are. Did you know that there is a little code inside every single cell of your body? You have trillions of cells in your body, and each one has the full code, the full human genome to create a whole human being that is exactly like you, with your physical characteristics, some of your um, personality and your likes and dislikes, your strengths and weaknesses. The whole code is in every single cell of your body. Now, you share that same DNA with most of the human race, 99.9% of your DNA is the same as mine and the same as everyone else on the planet. But there's that tiny little bit of difference, that 0.1 of a percent that makes you unique, which God says you are unique. I created you. I formed you in your mother's womb. I put you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that is beautiful and we must express it. And each one is different. Your fingerprints, your eye iris, your voice, even your shape of your ear and various other things about you are unique. No one has anything like yours just for that 0.1%. But then God puts us in families. So there's the whole human race's DNA, which is similar. Then there's your individual DNA. But then there is a family who have very, very close DNA to yours. That's the physical. There's the human race, there's you as an individual, and there are family units. But now, in the spiritual realm, God has put a DNA within you. If you are a Christian, the Bible says you are born again. Jesus said that flesh gives birth to flesh. In other words, natural biological DNA gives birth to DNA and you inherited some of your characteristics from your parents. But then he said, but spirit gives birth to spirit, and you must be born again. What was he saying? He was saying to Nicodemus, your earthly DNA is one thing, and that gives you certain characteristics and abilities, and you can know yourself in that way. But for eternity's purposes, you must have some spiritual DNA put in. And we know from the Bible that the spirit is what lasts forever. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives life. And then he said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and their life. So he was saying, you have fleshly DNA and in the big scheme of things, it profits nothing. You can be the most amazing human being naturally and physically and mentally, but in the, in the big scheme of eternity, that really profits nothing. 
Remember when Samuel was choosing David to be king, God said to him, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It's the spiritual DNA that will last forever. Jesus said the true worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And so the reason for this sermon series is we want to say, what is your Christian DNA? That's one part of it. What is your Christian DNA? What has God put in you? Because it's only when you see it. <laughs> you know, there's these DNA testing companies now that you can send them a part of your saliva or swab from your cheek cells and they can test your genetic, your physical genetic makeup. They can tell you the races that you come from, your ancestors. They can say you are 70% from this part of the world, 20% from that part of the world. They can tell you that. They can also tell you what diseases you may be susceptible to. They can tell you some of your strengths and your weaknesses. They can also, in some instances, say, you have a relative in our database. Do you want to meet them? And some people have had some wonderful surprises and some shocking surprises from those DNA tests. So we want to, first of all, say to you, let's do a spiritual DNA test because a natural DNA test can be done biologically or simply by looking in the mirror. You can see when you take all the makeup off and you remove the hair curlers or the hair straighteners and the skin darkeners or the skin lighteners and the different things, maybe the plastic surgery you've had done, you can look in the mirror and see your DNA or you can go to a DNA testing company to learn your DNA, or you could ask your mum and dad and aunts and uncles about your family background to learn your physical DNA. But we want to say the Bible says you can learn your spiritual DNA. And the amazing thing is it's in the learning. It's in the seeing in a mirror what you like on the inside. You say, Greg, what are you talking about? The Bible talks about itself as a mirror. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, We behold as in a mirror the glory of God, and we are changed into that same image from glory to glory. 1 Corinthians 13 says, We see now through a glass or as in a mirror dimly, but one day we will see face to face God. And James chapter 1 says, Anyone who looks, reads the Bible and doesn't, Heed it is like someone who looks in a mirror and doesn't realize what they see. So the Bible is a mirror, but it's not a physical mirror. You can't look at the Bible and see if you have red hair or brown eyes. You can't, but you can see what God has put inside of you, that DNA. Do you remember Jesus said you must be born again? You must have better spiritual DNA put in you a brand new creation in the middle of you. And just like your physical DNA creates cells and makes your body as it is, your spiritual DNA creates you in the new man, created to be like God in true righteousness, Ephesians 4.24 says. There is a new you that you get by calling out to God and saying, Lord, change me, make me born again. Make me a new person. And he puts the spiritual DNA in you. It's more powerful than your physical DNA. It can overcome physical sicknesses. It can overcome physical weaknesses and traits and propensities to sin. It changes you from the inside, but 
it changes you in degrees. And we have to see in a mirror what that DNA is like to be able to realize who we are on the inside. So that's the first part of this series is for you and I to see who are you? Who are you? This is a spiritual DNA test. The second part is to say, what family has God put me in? Because just like 99.9% of physical DNA is shared by all human beings, and there's only that little portion that makes us unique or puts us in families, spiritually, you are 99.9% the same as all other Christians, but you have gifts spiritually that only you have. God has given you something to contribute and to do to change the world for him. But then there's this in-between section where God puts us in families. And so the second purpose of this sermon series is to say this is the DNA that we believe God has put in us as a church family. We are proud to a certain degree because we say God has given us this. We're glad and grateful that God has put this in us and made us this way. But we are humble because we know it was God and not us. And other churches and other Christian groups may be different, but that doesn't mean they're better or worse. It just means they have a different role to play. You may say to me, aren't all churches supposed to be identical, Greg? Aren't all churches supposed to be the same? Shouldn't this DNA be the same for every church? And the answer is no. In the book of Revelation, Jesus writes seven letters to seven different churches. He calls them lampstands or lighthouses in Asia Minor around Ephesus. And each one of those churches had some things the same. They all had him commending them and rebuking them. Well, one of them didn't have a rebuke, but they all had him uh, calling them something, giving himself a name to them. There were certain things that were the same. And obviously they were all believers in Jesus. They all had leaders called messengers or angels. There were all these different things that were the same, but the messages for each of those seven churches were totally different. Jesus said, you, you have these strengths and these weaknesses, and this is what I want you to do. But then this other church, no, you have something different. And so it's important and helpful for us to say, where is my church family? And that's what we are trying to do in this series is say to you, this is where we believe God has placed us, who we are. And there are four characteristics. There probably are many, many more that we could look at, but we're just going to look at four and we're going to say these are the four things that God has put in our DNA as a church. You say, where did these come from? I want to say that just like in Revelation, each lampstand was placed there by Jesus. Even though people were involved in starting those churches, Jesus established each lampstand and he built each church. I believe Jesus has used human beings in our church in Jersey, the Channel Islands. And I look at so many people in our church who were there right at the start in our tiny little group of six or eight of us who met in a dingy hall on a Saturday night. And I see human fingerprints on our church and the DNA. I think of James and Heidi coming across from the UK and I see their fingerprints over everything we do. I think of so many others. I, I could just list the names of the people who have been used by God to build our church and they have helped us see what our DNA is. 
But at the end of the day, I believe God has established our church, Lighthouse, at this place, at this time, for a reason, for a good reason. He's got a plan and He has put our DNA in us. So Lord God, show us our DNA. Individually, show me who I am in Christ. Help me, Lord, to let that spiritual DNA override the weaknesses in my physical DNA. Help me, Lord, to to rely on the mirror of your word instead of my earthly mirror. But also, Lord, help me to be united with my church family to know who I am. I am going to mention the first of our DNA characteristics today. But before I do that, I just want to show you the benefit and the power that comes from knowing who you are spiritually. And I, I could use many stories of this. I could use Psalm 1 where he says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on it he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted, rooted by rivers of living water. He produces fruit and leaves and everything he does prospers. That would be an example of us finding our roots and our identity in God's word and his DNA rather than in the counsel of the ungodly in the way that other people walk, the sinners around us walk or sitting in the, the seat of the scorners and the mockers. He says, find your identity in God. I could use that to show the power of knowing who you are and putting your roots into Christ. I could use the story in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 to 4, where Paul says, some of you are saying, I am of Paul, I am of Cephas, I am of Apollos, I am of Jesus. He says, me and Apollos, we're just servants, we're just messengers. Um, and then in, in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, I've applied this to us humans to show you not to go beyond what is written. In other words, find what God says, don't look at people and personalities to find out what your DNA is or what your tribe is. Just so, so many interesting things. But the one story I, I do want to just focus on today is in John chapter 13. And in verse 3 it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. This is the creator of the universe, Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. By him all things were created. This is Jesus and he is now in a human body and a human form. He could have looked at his earthly heritage, his Jewishness, his physical characteristics. He could have looked at people around him and said, I'm much better than everyone, but he didn't. He looked at his spiritual DNA and it says, knowing, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God then he could wash the disciples' feet because he had such security within him of who he was. 
He would say, I am again and again in the book of John. He says, I am one time when he says it towards the end in John chapter 18, the, the soldiers who are coming to arrest him say, which one's Jesus? Jesus stands up and says, I am. And they fall down on the floor because of the power of this identity. He knew who he was. Another time the Pharisees are questioning him. They say, who do you think you are? He says, before Abraham was, I am. He knew who he was, but he was so secure in his spiritual DNA that it spilled out into the physical world around him and he was secure enough that he didn't need to push himself forward, boast about himself, try and press other people down. He could wash the feet of the disciples. Friends, when you and I get a vision of who we are in Christ, it changes everything. So the first characteristic that I want to mention is called radically Bible based. I'm excited about this. You know, we as a church are radically Bible based. You say, Greg, what's that all about? Why, why are you making a big deal of this? Don't all churches believe the Bible? Yes, they do. And they're supposed to. But I must be completely frank and honest with you and say that many people give lip service to following the Bible. But in reality, in reality, and I'm not judging because I myself have fallen into this trap before. But in reality, many Christians say they believe the Bible. For instance, they will start a sermon and read a verse and then talk about something completely different to the verse because they're paying lip service to being Bible based. Many say they believe the Bible, but then they're willing to change the Bible based on culture and the, the world around them and, and the society around them. Many people say they believe the Bible, but when a person, a flesh and blood physical person comes and says, I really want us to do this as a church, or I would love it if we did this as a church, or why don't we spend our money on that as a church? They give more preference to the flesh and blood person rather than giving preference to what God's word says. Many people say they follow the Bible and they're Bible based, but there is hardly any evidence of it. They are just the same as the culture around them. Or they are following the traditions of men over the last decades and centuries rather than what the Bible says. And so I am pleased and proud and grateful to God that he has put within us as a church, within me and many, many of us in our church. You know, I think of those who preach in our church, the leaders in our church, who share God's word and the passion for God's word is so evident with them. I'm just so proud of them and so uh, grateful to be associated with men and women who value God's word above all else. We are radically, radically Bible based and we want to be more and more Bible based. It's, it's the main thing that is in our DNA that sets us apart and says this is this church is that we want to follow what the Bible says. Do you remember I quoted Psalm 1? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on it he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted 
by rivers of living water. When we meditate on God's word, when we are rooted and planted and established in God's word, when we put that as our highest priority and we say we want to follow God's word, not our own emotions, not what the culture says, not what human manipulation says, not what a crowd of people try to force us to do. We are following God's word. We are rooted and established in it. We are grounded in it. We live in it. We die without it. We must follow God's word. It is the only thing that guides us. When we put God's word as the main thing, we are radically Bible-based, then someone says we will bear fruit. We will be fruitful. And whatever we do will prosper. Now, it doesn't mean we will always succeed in the natural, but in the big scheme of things, in the long term, when we get to heaven, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you remember in Matthew 7, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, this word of mine, Jesus is speaking, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. In other words, they hear the sayings of God. They hear the word of God. They maybe read them in church or or say that they follow God's word. But if they don't do them, if it doesn't lead to any change in their life, he says, I will liken them to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. He built his house on the sand. You see, anything else that we build our lives on, that we build our church on, if it's not God's words, it's sand, it's changeable, it's movable, it's temporary, and it will not be a foundation that will lead us into eternal life. We are born again by the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 23 says, the word of God. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible, it's, it's a whole different category. You know, there are human ideas, there are human books, there are human um, intellectuals and fields of study, and people have amassed mounds and mounds of knowledge and ideas and opinions. And they're all in this category here. And some are very, very clever. But scripture is not just another book to be added to all those others that men have made. Scripture stands apart. The Bible says it is God-breathed. It is useful for all these different trainings so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. God's word brings light. The entrance of your word brings light. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. We love God's word. It's it's a different category of knowledge. It's the kind of knowledge that makes us wise for salvation. 2 Timothy Timothy 3 says. So, 
We are radically Bible-based. How does this play itself out? Well, we must know what God's Word says. That means we must share about it. We must talk about it, teach about it. Uh, we try to make it relevant, interesting, um, understandable. We don't want it to be dry and dead. I think it's such a crime when a preacher is boring because God's Word should not and is not boring. But we try to talk about it all the time, but also we refer back to it. Whenever there's a disagreement, whenever there's a difference of opinion, whenever there's a debate, whenever there is a, a complaint made, whenever somebody's got an opinion, whenever any decision has to be made, we go back to God's word. We say, God, what does your word say? How does your word inform us? We look at the Old Testament, which shows us patterns and shows us God's character and God's dealings with human beings in a certain circumstance before Jesus had set the world free from Satan. We look at the New Testament, which has such clear teachings where Paul and others wrote letters and clearly spelled out truths and doctrines and ways of practicing. And we read those and we understand what God was saying to them and to us. We look at clear instructions and commands. We look at clear um, expressions of truth and we look at things we can deduce from other, other writings in the Bible, which were for different people at different times. We put all that together. We discuss it together as leaders and as Christians. We say, what is the clear meaning of Scripture? Just reading it at face value. Then we say, what is the meaning of it if we use the rest of the Bible to define what that Scripture says in its context and in the big context of Scripture? Then we pray and we allow the Holy Spirit to give us revelation. We read and study what other scholars have said. And at the end of the day, we say, God, we desperately want to do your will and know your word, not our own human fickle ideas, which change every day into something different. We don't want to be led by our emotions. We don't want to be led by popular opinion. God, what does your word say? And when we do that, we're like a tree rooted. Our, our roots go deep into soil that is full of life by streams of living water. We start to produce fruit. There is life. There is peace. We're not blown around by different ideas. We are rooted in God's word and we start to prosper and flourish. Friend, I want to pray for you also as an individual because this DNA should be in every Christian. 1 Peter 1.23 says, You were born again. Do you remember I said we get born again? We've got physical DNA, but then we get spiritual DNA injected into us. You were born again, 1 Peter 1.23 says, by the word of God, which endures forever. The way you were saved, the way you came alive as a believer was the word of God. Don't ditch that initial injection of DNA. Don't be waylaid and think, I can go after nice ideas, pretty poems, emotional stories. No, no. The word of God is your bread. The Word of God is your life. The Word of God brings faith. It enlightens the mind. It, it changes you and, and makes you more and more like Jesus. As you look in the mirror of God's Word, you become more and more like Him. Lord God, help us. We want to be based on your Word. Lord, we want to, but we admit that there are probably things we don't do correctly yet. And so we pray you would help us, Lord. Guide us. And we know, Lord, that every time your word comes in, it brings light, it brings health, it brings joy, it brings direction and hope. 
And so, Lord, we receive it right now. And I pray for my brother or sister that each one of us would realign ourselves and say, I want the mirror of God's word to be my guiding light in life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.